Hello and welcome to Stand and Deliver, a JoJo podcast. This week, we discuss episode 25 of season 4 and Yoamushi Pedal episode 24. I studied how the economy system works on Earth, which is slightly different from Corona's. Since laws forbid duplicating money, creating and duplicating items was the next best method. My first sale was a ruby-lined desk that I sold for $50 when it would have gone for half a million. It took two weeks to sell it, but upon seeing the quality and complete lack of defective items, my items sold at an extreme rate. Since the create and duplicate spells take a lot of spell power, I stopped after a month. Already a multi-millionaire in every country. I'm still trying to recover the spell power used from that. Freelance police and military jobs provide extra, as you saw at the race earlier, taking care of the riot. So Knuckles basically has d- destroyed like the entire world economy, is what I'm getting. Sure, just so he could toss some ruby desks on the electronic bay. <laughs> yes. And also somehow it took two weeks to sell it. <laughs> yeah, because everyone was just suspicious of the, suspicious of this fifty dollar desk. Yeah, like, I mean, no I, wait, I, it's real rubies, right? I guess that kind of makes sense. You know, even if it was like a desk with fake rubies, fifty dollars is pretty cheap. Y- yeah, yeah, it is. Like most fifty dollar desks are flimsy and will just fall apart with like basic weight put on. It's mm-hmm. all made out of like plywood. Yeah, not plywood. Um, fiberboard. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, but but like just in general of like, oh, I have these half million dollar items I'm going to sell for like a fraction of the actual value of the item would fucking destroy the economy. Well, it doesn't matter though because he's just duplicating them. Like it's it's just free money. It, it free brings money from the knuckles. value down of the actual original desks. And it's also maybe bootlegging. It doesn't specify if he's basing this off of desks that exist, but I, I would assume that's the case because he's duplicating them. Yeah. I don't know if Knuckles designed the original desk and then duplicated that. I would guess maybe him. he got the original as a gift for saving someone from some interdimensional orb or whatever it is that Knuckles Possibly. spends his time fighting. Yeah. Uh, also... Just the notion of him selling these desks for $50 for an entire month, just slowly accruing millions of dollars, is the most ulalilia shit I've ever heard of in my entire life. Also, like, is he shipping those out? Like, that would cost more than $50 to ship. You know, it's Knuckles, so I imagine he would just teleport to you at the desk. That's a good point. Local pickup anywhere on Earth. (laughs) Also, I want to read to you how this chapter ends. Okay. Ivan, 
You sure have an interesting past and set of skills. Tyler, I agree. <laughs> Great. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Fucking... Uh, I'm halfway through this book. Knuckles calling up the orb and being like, I have a very particular set of skills. Skills which will make life for orbs like you a nightmare. Oh, God. I, I'm quickly approaching the reveal of the villain's name because I kind of like thumbed ahead a few pages, which is Seth King. And I don't know if you... Uh, I'll have to look through this at some point and find some of Seth King's dialogue uh, because I'm pretty sure with the way that he talks and the fact that his name sounds like it could be an actual person's name that it might just straight up be based on a guy that was, like, a dick to Ulilili in high school or something. Oh, definitely. That was what I thought. Yeah. I I will need to bookmark some of their dialogue, their back and forth, because it is uh, extremely good. I mean, it's basically the equivalent of when I would name uh, the rival character in Pokemon games Kevin, after the Kevin that stole my copy of Tomba. It's like that, but in a book he actually published... <laughs> yeah, that's way more vindictive. Yeah. Uh, also, like you can't do that in the new Pokemon games now because your rival's like totally a nice guy in all of them ever since like Gold and Silver. It's, as an aside, that's a thing that I hate. Kind of, I liked when your rival was a, a dick to you. Yeah, sure. They don't even have like Team Rocket anymore, right? No, but like they changed like the evil team every single game. But they uh, do except still for have Gold and Silver, teams. where it was still Team Rocket, but like they were in a state of disarray or something like that. But um, oh right, because la last one I played was X and Y, and that was like what Team Magma or something. Uh no, I I want to say that was like the Game Boy Advance ones was like Team Magma and Team Aqua, and it was like different depending on which one of the games. Oh, okay. Well, I don't I know. I, I think there was stopped. a team in X and Y. Yeah, there definitely was, but like I have a hard time keeping that stuff straight. My like knowledge of Pokemon lore just tapers off after Gold and Silver. Because as a kid, that's like where I stopped giving a shit. And like as an adult, I've tried to care again, but I have a hard time getting back into those games. Weird. You mean as an adult, you don't like a uh, extremely <laughs> simple RPG made for children? Nope. Shocking. Um, I did. I did play a bunch of other video games this last weekend. All right, give them to me. Okay, hit me. Act Razor Two. Oh no, that's a bad game, man. Like I, I, I beat Act Razor the first. Um, Hell yeah, that's a great game. Yes, like, it the, is. The, it is such a weird combination, like peanut butter and chocolate and it just goes together beautifully well like for people who i don't know for about people that. who don't know i love peanut butter no i um, mean the game like i think one oh, okay. of those parts is much worse than the other part yes but it's a very interesting concept so for people who do not know because i have had to explain act razor a lot over this last week to people i've talked to uh you basically start out in these action stages uh just a typical action platformer of the super nintendo era when you're done with that you basically have liberated this region on the map and you then jump into a city building sim uh, and part of this is that you need to expand into enemy lairs uh, where your townspeople will close them closed all of them on a map you then have another action stage and that finishes that region and you 
this about, I think, like six or seven times. Yeah, and I like the uh, city building stuff in it. Like, without I do that, too. it would not be nearly as good. Yes, the action stages are just a very run-of-the-mill action platformer. There's nothing particularly remarkable or that great about them. They're the character fine. also feels very stiff. Specifically, yes, but... the jumping and attacking is, like, not great. But you know me, and I like that. I like Super Ghouls and Ghosts. I like the Castlevanias. I like a stiff action platformer. Sure. I feel like I'm the thing weird. that makes this way worse than a Castlevania is the like very low range on your attacks. Yeah, Castlevania's got like a real good feel to it, and that's just not there in And just go or... like quackow with your whip and Yeah. You don't have to get like right up on somebody. Super Ghouls and Ghosts has a good feel to it. Uh Actraiser not so much. Uh, the city building stuff, you know me, I like the Anno games, so I'm way into micromanagement. This is nowhere near approaching that level of complication. No. In fact, a, a lot of it is automated. It's very simplistic. I think to that that's to the game's advantage because it keeps things moving and it provides like a very low barrier of entry. Mm-hmm. So, really good game. Adraiser 2 threw out the sim mechanic because I guess the thing they thought everyone liked was the fucking action stages oh yeah i mean and then they made them like bad like the enemies move around in this really janky way that makes them very difficult to hit there's a lot of them so suddenly there's a bunch of slowdown which wasn't really present in the first game uh you have this glide that's slippery as hell so like there's a lot of very precise platforming in that game where you basically need to make a jump. You need to make a double jump that activates your glide to get a little bit of height clearance. But if you touch the ground when you're gliding, you skid several feet like you're like on an ice level. So there's a lot of tiny platforms where if you land it like that, you just slide right off the edge and then you die. So basically every jump becomes a triple jump. You have to tap that button rapidly three times in order to make anything. Cool. I mean, video game developers have always been really good at knowing what people like about their games. Yep. Uh, yeah, I, I played that. I played Phalanx. There wasn't a single old man playing a banjo in that game, so no. I feel ripped off. No, there is not. <laughs> One of the best box arts of all time. Hell yes. The actual game, kind of mediocre. That's eh, okay. It's fine. It's about as good as the action stages in the first Act Razor. It is fine. Sure. Uh, but then I played The Revenge of Shinobi. Hell yes. You could tell that is an early Genesis game. Yeah. Uh, oh, Revenge of Shinobi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. That, that it, whole it's... the naming sequence of Shinobi games is weird. Yes, it is. Because Revenge of Shinobi to me um, would mean the second game. It's actually the first, although it's also not actually the first because it's a sequel to the first two arcade games, but it is the first Genesis one. So I didn't play two because I was advised that that game is bad. And not great. Like, uh, the thing that sold me off was somebody said it's a one-hit death kind of thing, and after playing the first one, I was like, okay, I just know that I don't want to deal with that. Yeah. I was taking a lot of hits in the first game. Yeah, because uh, the, the, the is... thing is, I think every time I go back to like play a Shinobi 
like I would end up getting Shinobi 2 and then playing it and I'm like, oh wait a second, this isn't the one I was thinking of. <laughs> yeah, I did notice that the, the names are all screwed up on them because Shinobi 3 drops the Revenge of the Shinobi the Revenge of Shinobi thing and is just Shinobi 3, the Master yeah. Return. Uh, and Shinobi 3 is amazing. Yes. That is a really, really, really good video. The first game, not a lot of big, like, action pieces or anything like that. In fact, the levels are kind of flat. Like, again, it's a very early Genesis game and it shows. Third game, Shinobi, dude, just water skiing like he came out of the Turtles in Time SNES game. Uh Uh-huh. Well, the first one has Spider-Man. Yes, that's true. And Godzilla. Well, so they had to take Batman out of it, but they left Spider-Man in because it was some sort of cross-promotion thing. It Well, it was like, originally it was Batman and fake Spider-Man, and then they were like, yeah. oh, we actually have the rights to Spider-Man, so they had to change Batman to like a like a devil man or something, but then they turned yeah. fake Spider-Man into real Spider-Man. <laughs> that game also has the T-8... Oh god, why am I blanking on this? The Arnold Schwarzenegger Arnold Schwarzenegger Terminator. T eight hundred. Okay. T eight hundred is also in that game. You fight him in a junkyard, and the more you hit him, the more green he turns until eventually he just looks like the Hulk with sunglasses. Great. And then yeah, Godzilla is in the game, and then the third the third one you just fight Mecha Godzilla. Well, the Godzilla, awesome. Uh, the Godzilla was also replaced, like in a later version, with like a skeleton Godzilla. Oh yeah, yeah. I saw pictures of that and did not quite understand what was going on. Yeah, it's just oh. skeleton Godzilla. But Shinobi Three is uh probably the best game I played over the weekend. Uh, I wrapped everything up with some puzzle bobble, aka bubble bust bobble. A move. Yes, aka bust a move. Speaking of naming conventions going all screwy with video games, yeah. that series is a mess. Uh, but yeah, we so I thought that we were going to record yesterday. It's a good thing that we actually couldn't because my mind was bobbled. I done got bobbled again. Get bobbled. I legitimately lost three hours of time. <laughs> I started playing that game. And did not finish until around, like, level 96 or something like that. And looked at the time and was like, holy shit. It's like two hours past when we would normally begin recording. I need to go to bed. Man, reminds me of the good old days of me, like, losing time playing uh, Sid Meier's Pirates. No, that sounds like a good way to black out. Yeah. Like, I think that's probably the one that I've spent the most, like nights of just like oh it's 4 a.m now on it's either that or like a uh civ 3 or that's a that's the way i like spending my weekends though with these old games is that realization of oh wow i just spent like four or five hours in this thing because i was just having such a good time and I've, i've just lost track of my life well i wish i could lose track of my life uh, but yeah, like at some point, like in a million years from now, when we finish this JoJo's podcast. By the way, hi, my name is George. This is Stand and Deliver. Hi, I'm Larry Davis. This is Stand and Deliver JoJo podcast. Today we're watching episode uh, what is it, twenty five, 
Spicy yeah, lady. enough about that. I, I, I played Rock and I Adventures. Let's talk about that for the next half Okay, hour. great. Sparkster, let's go. <laughs> nope. Rock and I Adventures. But the, but the character is Sparkster. Oh, wait a minute. Checking my notes. I played Sparkster colon Rock and I Adventures 2. Yeah. Help. But the character is Sparkster. He is the titular yes. Rocket Knight. Uh, no, at some point when we finish this podcast, I would like to get one going for all these old games I've been playing. Uh, because as of Puzzle Bobble, I have finished 69 of these games. Nice. Nice. Uh, so I have a lot to talk about. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah. yeah, originally that was going to be the plan when we finished uh, part four, and then here comes part five. Yeah, just fucking my whole plan of... Just, I made a big list of games, and I was like, these are games I would really like to play before I die, or like revisit, or actually finish, and I'd love to do a podcast with my buddy and just kind of talk about them, and then they announced the part five anime, and I realized my life was over. Yeah. Look, we're, uh, we've only got see what uh, 14 more episodes I'm just sweet five more months of jojos do you that's okay well depending on how many recap episodes they have <laughs> there's going to be at least like two more they'll find a way uh yeah Jojo but this is uh, the second yeah this is the second notorious big or notorious big or notorious chase however you want to say it uh there's no wrong way uh, notorious chase is a wrong way. Well, sure. What about spicy lady? Is that the wrong way of saying that? Maybe. <laughs> I kind of like it though. There's a bit where, so the reveal of her name just to jump way ahead. Like Trish is like, "What should I call you?" And then the subtitles is like, "You can call me spicy lady." And then Trish is like, "Oh, that name makes sense." It's like, "Oh, what a fitting name." <laughs> Yeah. No, it's not. I mean, you know, actually, Spicy Lady is a more fitting name for the stand and its sure. personality than Spice Girl is. Yeah, I guess. Uh, I don't know. I like Spice Girl better. Uh, also, Ooh, yes. this, I think, is my favorite stand design of the entire season. Yeah, it looks cool. I especially really like because, Spice Girl. Especially because it looks similar to um, King Crimson. In a way, it's like, yes. oh, it's the familial connection. Yeah, but without the kids in the hall face. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, man. I kind of want to superimpose King Crimson's face on the Spice Girl now. I mean, just Spice see Girl, what it'd be like. Spice Girl's really good, but imagine how good it would be if it was just like, I can make anything soft. Like King Crimson talks. What should I call you? My name is Spicy Lady. Oh, that's really fitting. We're still on this plane. Yeah. Which is where I would like to never be again in my entire life as a plane. Plane phobia, blah, blah, blah. Listen to the last podcast to find out more dumb shit I'm afraid of. Hey, when you mentioned uh, something about a baby who flies out the window and snakes in a plane, nobody's heard about that before. There's a baby thing that happened recently. I'll get into it with you later. I was going to play the other bus to move, and I saw the cover, and I got freaked out. <sighs> okay. I don't know why they do that. It's fucked up. 
I actually you know the the bust to move on PS2 or whatever. I do remember like back in the day magazines being like, "What is up with this cover art?" <laughs> like yeah. this is one of the worst things I've ever seen. That is legitimately up there with Phalanx's art. No, because Phalanx is great. I'd say it's more like original eco box I, art. I would put it up there with Phalanx just in terms of like this does not represent the actual game in pretty much any way. Well, no. like I get that the bubble that the baby is blowing is supposed to be a reference to the fact that it's bubble bobble, but the phalanx one also has a tenuous connection with like it's a starry night and there's like a shooting star in the sky and I guess that's supposed to be the ship that's named phalanx. No, there's an actual ship in the background. Oh, there is. Yeah. Okay. I looked at like a thumbnail of it the other day just to remind myself what it looked like real quick. So I'm looking up just not, just to make sure. Yeah, yeah there's a ship. Okay. Well, it also does anyway. say the hyperspeed shootout in space. Yeah, I just remember seeing that like as a kid in the video store and having no idea what that game was. Yeah, and not really caring because I did not have a Super Nintendo at the time, so didn't matter. Zero Wing was my shoot 'em up game because I was a weirdo with the Sega Genesis. Yeah, see, I never played Zero Wing back when it came out, so when all your base and everything took off, it was new to me. Uh, so, uh, we're still on the plane. Uh, we still have this setup with uh, Jorno's uh, brooch is growing fingers because uh, he wears a brooch because he is a dandy boy, a fancy lad. Uh, but Trish needs to collect this because it's his hand and his golden uh, experience power will not be restored unless they're able to reattach his hand. So yeah, catch be- you up on where we left off. Because he's missing both his hands, in fact. <laughs> Yeah, the other one is non-recoverable. That landed in, like, a cornfield somewhere. Yeah, some guy just, like, comes across it like uh, the ear at the beginning of Blue Velvet. Some guy, like, finds a hand, and then it leads to this whole thing where Dennis Hopper is, like, huffing gas and yelling, Baby wants to fuck! (laughs) It's weird. Joe Dirt's just wheelbarrowing around this Italian dude's arm. (laughs) Eating at hot dogs. All right, so yes, the brooch, it's turning into his hand. Yes, turning into his hand. Uh, so Trish is doing this thing where she's kind of like telling herself, like, I don't want to help these jackasses. I'm going to just run back to my little hidey spot. Uh, but her body is kind of reacting in a way that is showing more concern. She's like touching this uh, button on one of these seats that will recline it. And she's kind of telling herself, like, well, I could push this back and then maybe it will attack the seat and then I could get closer to, to the hand ladybug thing but why would i do that she says while doing it yeah and it works uh sort of like she gets the uh the hand and then uh, Tori's big attaches to her leg because like some uh beer spilled onto her boot and it's dripping and it got attracted to that mm-hmm Everything. Oh no, this is it. And then uh, her boot slips off and Spice Girl shows up and she's just like, yo, I can make things soft because soft things are harder than diamonds. Well, harder to break than diamonds. Sure, don't think about it too much. My name is Spice Girl. I look like a quilt. I mean, it's actually kind of true, though. Yeah, 
like if something is hard enough like you've seen the weird stuff the stands can do like they could get through a diamond probably sure. but if something yeah. just morphs around them then they can't really do anything about it yeah except for this bit a little bit later when uh when she's hiding again and it almost like stabs her because it's still able to just sort of push through all the way without breaking it. Well, look, it doesn't this, that one time. And then every other time it tries something like that is totally ineffectual. Yeah. In fact, it springs it back and like smacks it against a wall at one point. Yeah. Uh, Cause now she has to like escape the thing because it's detected a whole lot of movement from her. And so she's like, running over these seats and it's like softening them so she can get through but it blocks notorious big and then it flings it against the wall and like breaks it apart so we kind of established that like even though notorious big is virtually unstoppable and very deadly it's also like physically very weak and can be broken apart very easily yes also i would like to mention the stand power featured here there's a stand later on, I'm not sh- I think it's in Jojolian, called Soft and Wet. Yeah. And I would have thought this would be the power of that one. Maybe it is. Maybe he just reused it. I don't know. But it was surprising to me that like this is the stand the like the power you give to Spice Girl. Yeah. No, well, I don't know. A lot of years between part five and part eight. Yeah. Sure. So. I don't know. Maybe Iraqi went back to the wall. Maybe it's the same stand power. Yeah, I think, like, eventually he's made so many different stands that something's going to start to, like, repeat. I mean, we already had the whole man in the mirror thing, which was pretty close to uh, Jay Guile. Yeah, and also, like, Jojolian is technically an alternate universe, so he could maybe get away with doing that. Sure. It also takes place uh, in Morio, and the main character's name is Josuke. Yep. So... You know, he might be reusing some concepts at that point. Yeah. Oh, I, uh, I was uh, talking about this recently. I don't remember if it came up back uh, when we were in part four, but that whole thing with like Josuke as a kid being rescued from the blizzard from like future Josuke that was just like yeah. never brought up again. And it's like, oh, I guess it was just some other guy who happened to look exactly like Josuke. Uh, hmm. Apparently, the prevailing theory is that originally. Araki was going to have Kira send Josuke all the way back in time and that like he would have to find some way to come back from that and like that was the original plan and then he just abandoned it and left behind that part that would have been so cool though yeah it would but that's like just Josuke's yeah having a whole back to the future thing going on yeah like that that's the thing like that makes total sense to me that that's exactly what should have happened and it also makes it. total sense that he would have abandoned it or forgot. Also, speaking of stuff uh, from way back, um, I I finally finished all of my part three books, and they do confirm where uh, Noriaki Kakyoin's name comes. Oh yeah, uh, in one of the back sections, and I should probably pull it out, uh, but I'm not going to do it. Uh, for memory, it is named after a location in Japan. I want to say it's named after a street from, like, Iraqi's home. I think we looked that up back then. I know I, we found it is a location somewhere. Yeah. Or a town But or then something. there was some some weird thing about that, how, like, that's not his actual name. It's, like, that's the way people pronounce it based on how it's written. But if you were to actually, like, translate it, his name is totally different. Huh. 
Okay. Yeah, it was it was weird. I should pull it up at some point, but anyway, talking about like a small town thing in Japan, like Morio just reminded me of that because I finished. Hey, get this. It's a me, Morio. Oh boy. <laughs> I can't say that. It's <laughs> uh, uh, good bit. So Trish is uh running back to the closet or whatever this is. I don't quite know. Yeah, it looks like a it's closet. It's a weird little yeah, it's a weird little room that's like a closet with like a clock in it. And it has like a bar where you could hang stuff up. I don't know that planes like necessarily have a closet like this in this location of the plane. It seemed kind of weird to me. It's a private um, jet. Might have a dressing room because that's kind of what it seems or, like. Yeah, a whole walk-in dressing room. Ooh, um, I don't know. I don't know what rich people are up to either. Uh, eating the poor. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. So. She goes and hides in there, and Spice Girl kind of brings up, like, hey, you know, you probably should have gone to, like, the front of the plane, but now we're here, I guess. And uh, this is where it's starting to, like, stab through, uh, and eventually just begins to bubble through, like, the crevice in the door. Um, Just gets in through a seam. Yeah, it also uh, grabs her shirt, which is strange. Yeah. It's like pulls one of the cups almost all the way off. It's kind of a choice. Yeah. Uh, it's it's weird, I guess, because I don't think we often get like women being sexualized in JoJo. No, usually it's all dudes all the time. Yeah, so when it's this thing of just like, oh, is that woman's top going to pop off? It is like super weird. We're in like most animes, I think that would just be like a commonplace thing every yeah. single episode. Just like, ah, another I... one of these. Ha <laughs> ha, One Piece, you're yeah. so crazy. Uh, we get a lot of chest in the next anime that we'll get to. <laughs> yeah. Um, so... Uh, Spice Girl shows up in here. She's explaining, like, hey, you should run to the front. Uh, Notorious B.I.G. gets through. Notorious Big gets through the door. Notorious Chase, I'm sorry. uh, And starts attacking the clock. uh, And Spice Girl points out, like, hey, so long as you do not move faster than the second hand of that clock, it will keep attacking the clock. So what I thought that this sequence was going to be is that she needs to very, very, very slowly make her way out of that room, which would be tense because, like, how do you move that slow, like slower than a second pass? Uh, Instead, second moves Spice Girl. Pretty quick. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Like her movements would still need to be very, very precise, so as to not alert it. Yeah, I could see that being a very tense scene. But instead, Spice Girl just unscrews, like, the railing for, like, the clothes hanger and just stabs the shit out of Notorious Big. It's just, like, slowly jams it into its eyeball, too. Yeah, and then, like, spreads it around, so it's just making these, like, huge gashes in it. Yeah, and then starts screaming at it. Yeah! Spice Girl's good. Yes, it is. I really like Spice Girl. Uh, so Notorious uh, Big is apparently defeated. Uh, Trish starts making her way uh, to the cockpit to go deliver Giorno's hand to Butrati, but when Butrati opens the cockpit door, 
he sees something spooky behind her and uh, tells her not to move or to move very slowly. Um, Though that's not really clear at first. Like, at first it's just like, hey, what are you doing here? Like, yeah. It, it's a very weird part. And then you get um, Abakio in the cockpit like, oh, we're losing altitude. Fast. Yeah. Uh, it turns out this is because Notori's big uh, got real big and yeah. has assimilated with most of the plane and is blowing the engines out. Oh, this is a good part. Yes, it is. Uh, so Butrati is just like, okay, you need to like make your way to me, but very, very slowly. And Trish is like, nah, screw that, and just starts breaking into a sprint. Mm-hmm. Uh, she reasons correctly, like, it's probably going to follow me anyway. So... Might as well just run. Well, her point was that it keeps getting bigger. Like, it's basically blobbing up this plane, and it was expanding yeah. at a rate that she wouldn't be able to outrun anyway. Like, going slowly. Yeah. So, she gets into the cockpit. Uh, trying to remember exactly how she reveals her. Oh, right. She closes the door, and then it, like, can't get through again. And that's when Abashio and Butrati both realize that her stand power is fully developed. Yeah. Uh which I think only Butrati would be kind of clued in that she has a stand at that point. I think this is, like, news to Abashio. Um, also, um, has she seen stands in the past? I don't remember. She has. She brought up to Butrati once, like, what was that thing? Oh, yeah. Okay. Because uh, she also does mention in this episode, she's like, oh, I understand now that I have a stand, and I've developed a stand ability, and the user of this stand is dead. Yeah. So I can't stop it. Um, yeah. And yeah, the, I, the, there was a whole fact that I'm pretty sure she saw that stand in the previous episode. Like oh, before she did. the whole bit of her like trying to figure out the stuff with Jorno's hand. Yeah, like, she prior did. To that. But I, I was wondering like before this... If she had, but yeah, you're right. She has mentioned that before. Uh, but yeah, um, so her plan now is like, okay, I'm gonna make the whole plane squishy. Uh, because Bashio's just like, oh, or no, Bashio and Butcharaj are like, okay, we can land the plane in the sea. Uh, but then that's not gonna work out because the stand would still be alive and they're gonna be at an even bigger disadvantage trying to fight it in the ocean. Uh, so Trish is like, no, we need to destroy the hell out of this plane because this thing's going to keep coming unless we blow it up, basically. So she softens the plane up and then has Butrati like unzip the cockpit. Uh-huh. And they use it as like a parachute. It's a good plan. Yeah. It doesn't quite work right though, I don't think, because it's not like oriented in a way that it would actually catch air. It's weird. The weird pod thing that they got going on. Yeah. Also, hey, look, this reminds me of a certain scene from the very first season, the first part of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Oh, what happened there? Well, you see, back in the... So back at this point, we had characters named Zappelli, first oh. of all. And they used a little thing called the Haman. Maybe you've heard of it. No, what's that? Well, it's like ripples, you see. Uh, mm. Anyway, I think for now we better just go with it. 
Anyway, this plane also is still a stand. Yes. And it just blows up. Yep. In the ocean. It's actually a really good bit where Abashi was just like, I don't think we're going to make it to the ocean because I'm pretty sure these engines are going to just explode. Yep. Also, I like how somehow Jorno and uh, Narancha, who are both still unconscious, somehow make it through this. Oh, they're in the turtle. Oh, they were? Yeah. Because there's a part where you can see Jorno like sit... Oh, maybe that was the autopilot thing. I'm pretty sure it was the autopilot because in the previous episode, Butrati mentioned putting Giorno, Narancia, and Guido inside of... Uh, oh, Coco okay. Dabo. Okay. That That is still funny because like they are in this parachute thing and uh, Abashio's holding the turtle in a way that looks yeah. like... In the manga, if you'd looked at it, I bet it looked like Araki forgot to put the turtle anywhere and just like drew the arm in <laughs> holding it. It's like that Nancy comic, he just imposes the turtle over Apashio's hand. Yeah. It's like, oops. <laughs> uh, it's Nancy comic that no one's going to be able to uh, reference because it's like months old at this point. That's uh, fine. Yeah. So, yeah, they're they're parachuting down and then Butrati notices that there's still a hunk of uh, Notorious B.I. Notorious Run? Yeah. No, Notorious, Notorious Run Chase. DMC. Yeah. Uh, he notices that it's it's still around. It's like attached Ooh, hey, to Abashio. I just Abashio. a good bit. Hold on, I gotta write this down. Okay. okay. Run. Devil yeah. May Cry. Oh no. Alright. Okay. Go. Uh, so yeah, he decides that what he's gonna do is he's gonna go with his original plan of attracting it to him. Uh but instead of like I'm gonna unzip whatever body body part it like attaches to, I'm just gonna like throw myself into the ocean. Yeah, I don't really know what he was trying to do here. I thought when he first brought that up he meant like I'm going to unzip something and like shove it into the weird pocket dimension and keep it in there but yeah like i i don't, don't my... actually know what he was trying to do yeah so there's a bit in this episode where butrati looks at this thing and goes oh no it's invincible a truly unstoppable stand but like you could throw it into your pocket dimension and just like forget about it yeah like this is whatever you pretty much put anything in there you could open up a pocket dimension in a turtle and go pee-pee in it and nobody cares. Yep. Just put it in there with the pee-pee. It's problem solved. It's dummy. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like he's a zombie and his brains don't work good. <laughs> it just keeps getting dumber and dumber over time. <laughs> that would be really good. <laughs> He's just slobbering on himself by the final episode. Yeah. His arms are falling off. Toro's just looking at him going, I can't fix this. Ah, <laughs> oh, man. So, so I also kind of wasn't sure really what happened here. It's like Spice Girl just like cut his arm off. Yeah, she like cross chops. Yeah. And it just like slices his arm off and flies away and then she's like nah it's cool man check it out I got a ladybug hand we'll put this on Giorno everything gonna be gravy 
But the end of this episode is the best part of the whole thing. Because it's like, well, they couldn't kill Notorious Big, so he's just out there in the ocean now, like, destroying <laughs> ships that happen to pass by. <laughs> like, they just it created just a, a kraken. Yeah, and it becomes a legend in, like, the same way that the springy rock and, like... Yeah. Or Angelo Rock. Oh, God, rock. what is the dude's... Yeah, Angelo Rock is in part four. Yeah, and they haven't done anything like that right. yet in this part, and I really like that it kind of called back yeah. to that. Except this one's way worse because it's actively exploding people, like, out yeah, in the ocean. Yeah, this is... Yes, it's still doing murders. Yeah. Notorious Big is a killer. Well, sure. We can, we can never truly be rid of him. Nor should we. Uh, I don't know about that. I think we should be rid of him. Eh, well. Eh. Uh, so we then cut over to uh, Diavola, who is in a apartment slash hotel. Uh, yeah. I got a little confused because the housekeeping lady says, oh, you're home. And like, I, I don't know. That made it seem like it was a more permanent kind of residence thing going it's on. Weird. But the exterior kind of looks like a bed and breakfast type thing. Um, yeah, but then, yeah, there's too. like a house cleaning lady, which makes it seem more like a hotel. So I don't know. I'm not sure. Maybe it's a motel thing that they got going on. Like it's a my name is Earl sort of setup that Diavolo is running here. It's a hotel, motel, Holiday Inn, Dale. That's right. Diavolo uh, is Mr. Worldwide. That's right. Uh, and also Diavolo here, like we're seeing more of him than we ever have before. Like he's still kind of in shadow, but not really. And also, he just looks like a regular dude. Like I don't know when he's gonna go full <laughs> yeah. fuck freak, but I'm looking forward <laughs> to it. Yeah, me too. I'm waiting for Polka Dot here to show up. That's right. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, so he's doing uh, research on his uh, fancy bright pink laptop. And he's going through a bunch of old photos, and he realizes that uh, back during the specific year and the specific month where he met Trisha's mother, they were taking photos outside of some sort of, like, monument in Sardinia. And he realizes that Trish has woken up every day to see that photo. So if they go back to her home in Sardinia and they see that photo, they will go there, they will use Moody Blues, they will rewind it, and they will figure out who Diavolo is. That's bad for Diavolo. Diavolo don't want that. Yes. I also like how here he is kind of putting over Moody Blues, who has not done much of note lately. Uh, yeah. And so he's like, oh, Although, he's he's the key to all of this. Like yeah. Jar Jar. I mean, it does make sense, because that's a very specific stand power that could only really be useful in a small amount of situations. So for it to actually play like a major plot point makes sense. Sure. You know what also would have made sense if a major character who left the group at some point would come back later, maybe at a critical yeah. juncture, well, you know, no, <laughs> I'm starting to wonder if Araki has like literal brain problems and he just like <laughs> actually forgets about everything. Well, I was going to say that, like, I would think that if you said Moody Blues was like a pre-planned thing that Araki knew that it was going to be very important later on, like this is set up in a way that makes it seem plausible. But then I remember 
basically everything else about the way a Rocky writes stories, and I realized, no, that actually can't be the kid. No, definitely not. He did not think that through. It was something that at some point he realized, oh, actually, I could do this very cool thing to review, to like reveal the way, to reveal Diavolo, and it would work great with the stand power that's been underutilized. Uh huh. And then even then, I don't think that's a guarantee that that is actually going to be the way that they find out who Diavolo is. Yeah, Abashio could just like fall in the ocean and get washed out of the series, for all I know. Yeah. Or he just, like, gets his head cut off at some point, and they're like, well... Uh... <laughs> Uchirani just going like, Ah! We left Abashio at home! <laughs> it's just, like, Home Alone. It's like... Abashio Butch- dancing ar- around with a cardboard cutout of Michael Jordan. <laughs> yeah. Bucciarati and Giorno rushing through the, like, airport with Run Run Rudolph. They gotta try to find Abashio. just... Bashi just mouthing Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. <laughs> While eating that gigantic ice cream bowl. So anyway, bowl of uh, ice cream. then the house cleaning lady shows up and just like wanders in, which seems like a bad idea. Uh, well, she she says she knocked and nobody answered because well, Diavolo was too busy destroying his own personal property. That's a good point. He has anger management problems. Mm-hmm. And look, this is like, what, 98 or something? That laptop, that would be expensive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's Diavolo. He can, he could steal one and erase the 10 seconds that it took to, like, shove it in a bag. Yeah, he's got a, he's got plenty of drug money, too. Like, he could just go buy one. Uh, but yes, yeah, so, so something that th- I then he erases time and removes all of this stuff, and I'm not sure exactly how much time he can erase. Seems like that would take a while. So he said it says in the the episode that he was revealed. I'm pretty sure it states that he can only erase ten seconds. That so was what I because thought. we have the photo of Jorno on the windowsill, like I just imagined this as in the ten seconds he opened the window and just started throwing everything <laughs> out of it. <laughs> That'd be good. And then just threw himself out, too. (laughs) Just, like, chucking himself out the window and falling in the bushes outside and then running down the street. Yep. These pictures of a bunch of anime people tucked under his arm. Uh Uh-huh. But yeah, so she just has this moment where she's just like, oh, why was I here? Oh, that's right. To clean. I'm the cleaning lady. I have only one purpose life i have to become pure yeah just gonna this room's empty so i'm just gonna pour lemon pledge all over my yeah so uh next episode is a little story from the past my name is doppio it's a me a doppio <laughs> ah i got magoo. i don't know who doppio is but we're gonna find out the dopiest name of this entire series. Stopio. Of all the parts. Stopio. I'm guessing... So, considering hey. this is a story from the past, yes. and it's in, it's an important character, I'm guessing that it is probably actually Diavolo, and that Dopio is like an alias. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, because he doesn't want anyone to know his true name. Exactly. Mm. So that's... 
That's my working theory. Here's my side theory. Because we have this unidentified character in the opening credits, I bet you that is young Diavolo. Unidentified character in the opening credits. Uh, that one with, like, he has the sweater, but there's, like, a slash in it. It's, like, after no. you see all the characters in their stands. No, because I know that's a different guy. But, like okay. I said, I, I think he's, like, Diavolo's, like, second in command. Maybe that's Dapio, actually. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I'm not sure. Anyway. Uh, we manga will find out. Differences. Got some manga anime differences here. We've got one. This section requires expansion. Same. Thanks, thanks Jojo Wiki. <laughs> so, uh, we're on to everyone's favorite segment. Uh, by the way, one thing. What? I'm what? sorry, before we <laughs> move on from this, since we're talking about the JoJo's Wiki, uh, I like how they do this like rundown of all the characters featured in the episode, and this one just has Hotel Maid, first appearance. Oh, good. I hope she's a recurring character. <laughs> the grand premiere of the Hotel Maid. So, yes, now it's time for Roulette. Every time I look into your eyes, it's Roulette. Should I read another part of Elemental Masters no, to lead into this? No, it, it's fine. Look, no, there's plenty. There's tons of numbers in here, and that's like crucial to roulette. Oh yeah, everyone loves numbers. Numbers, numbers, numbers. Yeah, I'm just gonna put this book away. All right. Good times. Good radio. Larry Davis. What? My good friend. When you saw the sign in this episode that said, like, road closed ahead for bike race, were you thinking that this was going to end in tragedy? Yes. Because I was kind of hoping that the, the big twist of this episode was that, like, an SUV just fucking plows through the abs guy, and yeah. then shit gets real. That, that would have been good. You know, this episode, <laughs> middle of it really drags a yeah. lot. But the opening but boy, and the it... end are really good. Yeah. So this opens with uh, a bicyclist hunched over, chanting abs, 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 abs. And boy, does he have the body to back it up. That's right. He's got the body of a this swimmer. Is... Gosh, he's ripped. Mm-hmm. Uh, also has stunning eyelashes. Yes. The, the face of a young woman and the body of a hardened man. Best of both worlds, am I right? It's debatable. Uh, but yeah, he is uh, He is leading the pack in this bike, uh, bike race. It's a thing that people do, I have no idea why. Uh, and he's being trailed by uh, two others who are our protagonist characters. Uh, but before we get to that, we kind of cut back to a bunch of other people in the, this race. I'm guessing the way this works is you have a bunch of bicyclists that stick close together and then they send out what's called like sprinters that move ahead and try to claim checkpoints or something. 
we should you mention would, i'm assuming well, send a sprinter out claim a checkpoint they get worn out you get far enough ahead past that you send out your next sprinters for the next trip by the I'm way i'm assuming this is how this works this is yoamushi pedal episode 24 trembling izumita should mention mm. what it actually is yes I just got very excited about abs I kept going i did i always do you can't stop me on the subject of abs also, yes, I don't really know um, how bike races work, and I also don't care. Yeah, the thing that made this actually kind of a tough watch is I don't give a crap about bicycling in any way, shape, or form. Bicycle races especially are boring because so much of it is just everybody there in a clump together. And I guess the exciting part is when one breaks away. Hey, movie, Breaking Away. Which takes place actually oh, very close now. to here in Bloomington, Indiana. Um... Uh, that was about bicycle racing, but I guess th that's the point that's supposed to be exciting. But yeah. that's not much of it. It's a lot like NASCAR races, where they also kind of clump together and like overtake people very incrementally. And the cool part about NASCAR racing is either like the first dozen times where the camera is close to the fence and it just goes like, vroom, vroom, and it's like that's exciting. Uh -huh. Or, like, when people explode and die. Yeah. Turn left, Dale. No! <laughs> oh, no, Dale! R.I.P. Dale. He's he's fine. No, he is not. He's, he's totally fine. He's still racing. Don't worry about it. No, that's Dale Earnhardt Jr. Senior, he's a... He, we lost him. I may have misunderstood a tragedy for a very large portion of my life. Maybe. Uh, anyway, yeah. Uh, it turns out a lot of, like professional racing is super fucking boring. Like, kind of in the same way, but like to a much lesser degree, UFC is way more interesting to watch than boxing, because UFC is just all fists and elbows. Mm, I kind of disagree, boxing really. feels... Uh, eh, well... I feel like there's more to boxing. The thing is, yes, in concept, UFC should be more exciting, but in reality, you watch it and it's just like, I tackled him to ground and hit him a few times. and it, It's weird because uh, like without I'd... gloves, like bare knuckle, and well, not quite bare knuckle, but you know, it, it has less impact to it. Like it, the punches and everything look way lamer than it actually is. Oh. I love when they had them on the ground, they're just wailing them into unconsciousness. Yeah. I don't. So much more savage. I'm into it. Also, like, they got that uh, one wrestler, uh, cum punk? Rock Lesnar. Oh, yes, cum punk. Yeah. And, like, uh, Tommy from the Power Rangers is a UFC guy. Is he? I wanted yeah. to be, but, like, actually oh, isn't. Well, okay, maybe. Look, I don't actually follow it, so maybe he did just want to be and never actually followed through. I don't actually know that. I thought that he did. What about that, um, the other... He's not the one that killed someone, right? Tommy? Well, I certainly hope not. There, one of them killed someone. Like, stabbed him with a sword. Oh, oh no, you can't bring that into the ring! No. They don't oh, no. allow that yet. No, 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 no. Not in UFC. That's the it's... next evolution. Like, but... UFC, the next place you take it is just live weaponry. Yeah. The, like, well, eventually... That's, that's in the... how they're bringing when back I... Deadliest Warrior. 
Yeah, it's just going to be a ring and, like, two opponents just draw guns and start dumping. Oh, that'd be great. But, uh... No... A lot of audience casualties. The bullets go off course. <laughs> no one has any training. They're just in the same octagon. Like, it's the same arena and everything, just this chain link. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course, you gotta have the gag where there's a guy in there going, like, Peanuts, get your peanuts! And then he ends up getting shot. Everyone's favorite gag. But yeah, yeah. There, there was one... <laughs> Peanut guy getting murdered. There was... <laughs> Everyone loves it. There was definitely one Power Ranger that killed someone. That's what I know. <laughs> uh, I do vaguely remember this. I know that, uh, what was it, Trini? She got in like a car crash and died. Yeah, that was like early, too. Yeah, that was, yeah, it was a long, long time ago. That was like oh, four boys. <laughs> yeah. Because she got replaced super quick, like, I think, in the ninja part. You know, I don't think we should actually follow through on this, but, like, a random Power Rangers episode from a random season would be good for anime roulette. You know, you say we might not follow up on this, but... Mmm. Sentai roulette, in general, seems like a good idea. Yeah, that's not bad. Uh, Because I know jack crap about pretty much any Sentai. Uh, like, even Power Rangers, like, I watched that stuff back in the 90s when it came out and it blew up real big, and then pretty much after the movie came out, I stopped. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's when they changed into, like, ninjas or it was, like, Tonka trucks or something like that. Like, that was the falling off point for me. Yeah, yeah. I still liked the ninja part, but, yeah, like, Zio and Turbo, like, I had no interest in, and, like, I, I stopped watching at Turbo. Um, I have only ever really heard a few plot points from the comic book, which sound sounds completely insane to me. Yes, uh, but like in a way that's also great. Like yeah, I comic, really want to read comic especially seems great because it seems like it is completely disregarding anything like from ninjas onward, and it's just like <sighs> here's these weird like alternate reality versions of what would have happened to the original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Yeah, the whole thing with like okay, Tommy stays evil and becomes Lord Draken and gets, like, mind control powers, makes the Pink Ranger evil, and then, like, instead of putties, it's just an army of Black Rangers? Yeah. Just in full tactical gears with guns. Oh, I love it. He starts the new version of the UFC with the guns. So, yes, because I have just heard about this recently, I have started subscribing to the Power Rangers comic, and I will report back in a couple of months once I've read it and <laughs> nice. to let everyone know. I Actually, still want the hardcovers to go, like, back in print or on sale or something, because I would really like to pick those up. Yeah, so it would be nice if they went back in print, but it's from Boom Studios, who are idiots and don't know how to do collected editions. Unfortunately, it's not from IDW or Dark Horse, who keep everything in print all the time. Well, uh, Dark Horse had a stretch where they were not reprinting volumes of Berserk that went on for a lot longer than Dark Horse would normally go. Sure, but also, like, all of their hardcovers and everything, they keep printing, like, constantly. Like, all of the Hellboy Library editions and... Yeah. They're generally very good about it. The Berserk thing stands out to me because that is, like, the main Dark Horse thing that I collect, and there was a period where, like, I couldn't get a fewer... Yeah. I think, um... The Fear Agent hardcovers maybe went out of print, but that might be a rights issue. I'm not sure. Yeah. 
They didn't they lose some property recently too? Yeah, they've been bleeding a lot of stuff. Um, Buffy went over to IDW, I think, and so did Usagi Ojimbo. I mean, that's the thing that surprises me is that Boom is the one that has the Power Rangers license because IDW is the one that strikes me more as like just being gluttonous for like old nostalgic properties that they want to just gobble up and make comics out of. Yeah. And like, I'm cool with it because IDW stuff, like at least from what I've seen is like not been bad. The Boom, Ninja Boom stuff, stuff has been really good. Boom stuff isn't bad either. Like, um, they're the ones made uh, the Darkwing Duck comic, I think. And that was pretty good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it is kind of strange. I mean, IDW has Sonic, so man, that's that's the ball game right there. Do they? Yep. Oh, IDW okay. got licensed to Sonic after Archie decided to just nuke that thing from orbit. Okay, so they're the ones that are doing the um, like Sonic Mega Man stuff. No, that was Archie. Oh, it was huh? The IDW Man? picking up Sonic actually happened within like the last year. It's still fairly new. Okay. They don't have a collected edition out yet, as far as I'm aware. At least not like one of the hardcover ones like they do for Transformers or Ninja Turtles. Yeah. So. All right. Also, I've heard like some mixed things about it. Like I've heard some people say that it's just like outright boring. So I I don't know, because I think they're also still hamstrung by like uh, I don't want to get into the whole thing, but basically the stuff that happened with Ken Pender Sega got real kind of standoffish about having the comic people make their own characters. And so they started putting a lot of limitations on things, and I guess that probably makes the books fairly boring. Good old Ken Penders. He's got a lot of good opinions about a lot of things. Uh, yep. Go check him out. I hear he's over there making uh, fuck with underage characters. I don't know anymore. Yeah, Ken Penders Sonic. More Ken Penders Sonic Dojinshi over there. Oh, Ken. It's not okay that, like, your 40-year-old neighbor, 20-year-old or whatever the fuck you did to try to justify this. It's bad. It's bad. It's all bad. It's all bad. So, back to bicycling. Yeah. Uh, where the fuck was I in this? <laughs> all right. Uh, there, one of the, the bad guy bicycler bikes back a little bit and he tells the main good guy bicycler, like, I am strong. I break you. <laughs> yes, this that was a really good part. He's like, I have something very important to tell you. I am strong. And like, that's it. Me am big strong man. Bicycle. Good. Uh, also, these character designs, a lot of them remind me of Bleach. Like, especially uh, this guy with the green and red hair. Yeah. Like, that looks super <laughs> bleachy to me. Something that weird me weirds me out is how inconsistent the size of the characters' pupils are. Because like some characters have really teeny tiny eyes, like the main uh, villain characters is really small, and the guy he's talking to has like normal human sized eyeballs. And then there's like a girl in a van that pulls up, and her eyes are like the size of like teacup saucers. So, I think the there's like this one kid in like glasses that also has big eyes. And I think he's the actual main character of the series. And I think that girl in the van is his sister. There's also, by the way, in the credits, some weird frog monster 
And I want to know why we did not land on that episode. Yeah. Because that thing looks terrifying. <laughs> is that well, like... Is, did someone grow that dude in a jar somewhere with this the explicit purpose of, like, he's genetically engineered to be the best bicycle racer? I feel like that has to be the case. That was a school science experiment, and it went horribly wrong, and then we figured, I don't know, maybe you can ride bikes good. Or what if it's just, like, the school mascot or something? <laughs> What if this frogs. town is cursed and this is just a demon that is part of some Junji Ito-esque horror? Uh, everything's always about Junji Ito with you uh, now. Oh, look, Tomi's very long and I'm slowly going through it. It is. It's almost yeah. as though it was not meant to be one giant book. Yep. That's pretty good, though. It is. Um, so we then uh, we kind of cut back to the basically the main thrust of this episode which is our sprinters we have the enemy sprinter uh we have a big tough guy beef boy uh sprinter and then uh some girl with red hair uh girl and yeah that's a guy no i think that was a girl i i don't think so check the tapes uh okay Pretty sure that was a girl. Um, the voice did not sound anything like a girl. Uh, also, oh, she's got like a husky, raspy, like bike girl voice. You've, you know, run in the same bicyclist circles that I do. Let me tell you something about bicyclist girls. Also, he looks almost exactly like, um... They're all like a cart in a day. <laughs> Who's the guy, um... Smoking's I'm... very good for bicycling, you see, so... I'm trying to think of the guy from My Hero Academia, the the red-haired one. I know, yeah, the, um... The one with the ice powers and fire powers. It doesn't help that there's, like, 200 characters in that show. Well, yes. No, not the, not the ice and fire guy. Uh, oh, no, the one that turns... She reminds me more of... Um, turns into, like, uh, steel or like whatever. Like rockers. Yeah. Yes, that's who I'm thinking of. Because there's two guys in that that have, like, the same power, but one is rock and one is steel, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. They get hard together. Uh, th- this is a, a boy. Naruko is a first-year high school student, member of the Sohoku High Bicycle Club. Naruko's personality is sharp, spunky, highly competitive. However, he takes cycling, cycling very seriously and often gets very upset if... He is defeated in a race, even if it's by another teammate. Are you reading this off of a wiki? Yes. They're not to be trusted. (laughs) You've seen the JoJo's wiki? Well, this is from actual Wikipedia. This is not from, like, Yoamushi Pedal wiki. Anybody can edit that, so... (laughs) Sure. Back to when we're done with this, I'm going to go back and make some corrections. See them ban me this time. <sighs> uh, so yeah, they're they're trying to catch up to this guy, uh, but the power of his abs and his pecs is just too much for them. Uh, and so he's like taunting them. He's like giving them advice on how to overtake him, and they're not taking it. Uh, very self-assured. 
Hey, I, I would we... like to mention really quick. There's a part here where uh, the red-haired guy does the rocket sprint thing, and Izumuda looks back and says he's using his his racing pants to draw his jersey against his body. <laughs> um, I mean, look, you can't just like it's I. George, stop misgendering the cyclist. Not cool. I thought it was very cute, and I got very scared about what that meant about me. Why? Why would that scare you now? You've known the truth for a long time. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay, now go ahead. Please don't send this episode to my parents. They still don't know. Why would I? You've sent the last, like, 42 episodes... They keep texting me, telling me to tell you to stop. Oh, well, I haven't got... Look, I can't control Probably who downloads. They're not so. at all impressed about my use of the word Gabagoo. Well, who would be? <laughs> they're very thin. Uh, Heritage, God not it, hatred. Where was I in this episode? <laughs> That's right. Hey, look, I'm going to get Candace Owens on the blower and have her defend me. According to her, racism just doesn't exist anymore. Great. Problem solved. Can't wait till you yeah. show up on Judge Janine. <laughs> Remember how she Shannon showed up Deliver, in the Jinx? one of the only advertisers left on Judge Janine. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's us and the Would catheter cowboy. I'm, I don't know if I've mentioned this, but there's somebody at work who uses a catheter, and I know this because every time I go to the bathroom, like at the start of my shift, there's just a used cath sitting in the trash can. Just like at the very top. Have you asked him if he has pain when he caths? Oh, I don't know who this person is. Oh. Like, yeah, I've never they... I don't know how you just... How... How, how do they keep that a secret? Like when you just like hear that sloshing around whenever they move? Really did not want to think about it that way. Well, and I don't appreciate you saying any of that. <laughs> now you have to. Now it's on you. I put the catheter Jeez. curse on you, George Brendel. No. I'm gonna beat you up like my name's John Lovitz. Oh no. That's right. Uh anyway, we get an extended flat look, there's a reason we're getting off track, because this flashback is boring. Yeah, straight it's up. Long. Yes, it is. It's like uh, two-thirds of this episode. Uh, so, basically, this guy with the weird lashes, uh, he used to suck at bicycling until uh, the dude who looks like a Bleach character goes up and says, you don't need to bike anymore. And so he takes it as he's getting kicked off the team, which, like, a rational person would take that that way, until some other dude who really loves, like, energy bars shows up, and he's just like, huh, weird you would take it that way. What he meant was, there's more than one way to ride. Also, so, he decides to be kind of a creep and be like, oh, you got a pretty good body. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, which is his hint that maybe actually he needs to strengthen his core. Uh, the other hint was his pecs just <laughs> gestating on their own. He needs to strengthen the planet core. Uh, oh, no. Uh, by the way, his pecs are named Andy and Frank, or yep. as I like to call them, my cute name for them, uh, and Frank. 
because you take the first part of the first and then you attach it. It's like the celebrity couples, you give them cute names so you can remember them more better. So he's been training for a while. Uh, gets real buff. It's these ab- abu, as he says. Yes, he gets big abs. Uh, and then Andy and Frank, like, they, they sort of vibrate. Andy and Frank like, gain sentience, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, he does, like, a lot of training, and then he gets so good at bicycling. Yep, and that's basically it. That's it. It's like 15 minutes of this episode is just that. Uh, And then when we get we get back to the actual action, we find out that we are almost at the checkpoint. And so our protagonists, they need to come up with a plan. Uh, Turns out they got special anime moves hours. And so uh, the redhead, uh, his whole thing is he basically tucks his shirt into his pants, uh, tosses some weight off of his bike and then just like pedals real good. Uh huh. Really Pretty much it. technique. Also, the guy in front, he his technique is to like morph his body in a bizarre and grotesque fashion that looks yeah. like Bane juicing up or something. Like his just yeah. his back swells up and they're like, oh, his dorsal muscles are massive. Yeah, he says my dorsals are like wings and my abs are like a shock absorber. Yeah. Uh. And then uh, our our big buff big buff boy, uh, his thing is that his lungs or are like abnormally large, so he's able to suck in a bunch of oxygen. Yes, and I'm not sure how that makes him go faster necessarily. They try to give this explanation about like, oh well, it oxygenates his blood, and then you know that rushes to his muscles faster, and that makes him stronger. I, I don't think the human body quite works the way that they're describing it. I I'm think also it's not more. A doctor. I think it's more about him like being able to regain more energy after a longer period, which is good for a sprinter. Um, uh, yeah, okay, I, I don't know. Sense. Like, like at this point, like the others are maybe running lower, but he could just suck in all that air and hoo and he's good to go. Yeah, yes, like he the, has the double thing is he the lung capacity in... of normal, which seems unhealthy. Yeah. Yes, that seems like a problem because uh, he expands his body. Con- Literally. Yeah. He just like inflates he just holds like Kirby. The in. <laughs> there was there was a brief moment because I was very tired when I was watching this, as I am every single morning that we do this. Uh, but he sucks the air in and then immediately seems to start going faster. And I almost wondered, like, did he just somehow the air just like came out of his butt and it just like propelled him forward? Of course. This is where you go. <laughs> There's just this moment where that went through my mind and then I realized like that actually can't be the case. And then we get the science explanation. Uh, sure. Which left me more confused. So, they end up uh, passing this guy by, though. Uh, he almost, it seems like he's just letting them. Uh, and then is because, like, at first, like, Frank vibrates to let him know that the redhead is a threat. And then he's just like, eh, whatever. It's, Andy hasn't chimed in yet. And then Andy chimes, and he's like, oh, shit. Yeah, both of my peck babies are telling me to worry, and then they start like both vibrating a lot. Uh huh. And then shows they pass him, 
And then he just yes. like is looking backwards at the camera, <laughs> like sitting sideways yeah. on the bike. And then uh, he zips up his uh, shirt, which has been undone the entire episode, uh, to show that he is ready to get serious. And he tells uh, Andy and Frank that it's time to get to work. And then the episode ends. Uh, yes. I have no resolution for this. Uh, I'm sure that the main characters win. Yeah, maybe. Maybe they lose the first checkpoint, and it doesn't matter because I don't understand the rules of bike uh, bike racing. So, like, oh, maybe it just matters like that you got the most checkpoints. Yeah, maybe. Maybe they wear him out so much that he's not able to claim any more checkpoints. So them losing the first one is not like the end of the race for them. I don't know. It could be. Uh, we'll never know. Yeah. No, I will not watch another episode of this thing of my own volition ever again, because I don't care about bikes. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, I'm going to say... The most be... exciting part of bicycling races is when a driver just gets fed the fuck up and plows through everybody. So this episode, uh, or uh, this series, I say we're voting, removing. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Like, it was yeah. alright. This had some good bits. Shout out to Authoritemi. Yeah. Like, this was spe- apparently specifically the episode he had in mind when he suggested this series. So, yeah. Yeah, as soon I, as, I can see it. As soon as it started and it was just abs, 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 I got a good sense of why it would get recommended. Yeah. And there are probably. Uh, he, he said um, that about half of the episodes in the series would just be like all stuff like that middle bit. Uh, and mm-hmm. so it was a real crapshoot about whether we would get something good, but and this had good parts in it. Yeah, because I was I was going to say, despite the craziness with the whole abs thing, like the fact that so much of the episode just gets lost in this very boring flashback, uh, made me worry that most of the series was just like that. Yeah. Well, because uh, there was also some confusion about like, okay, where do I start with the things? Like my site laid it out funky and like the episode 24 that i started to watch uh also like opened and kind of continued for a little bit in a way that was super boring Mm. Uh, yeah and it turns out there actually is a like a third series glory road or whatever and i wasn't even aware of that yeah yeah uh it was uh the ones that I saw was like the main series, which is the one that we watched, uh, Grand Road, New Generation, and Glory Line, which is the new one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. So really, it's it's good the roulette just picked like one of the very early episodes this time around. Yeah, well... Because it made it easier to figure out. Yes. So, let's see what we've got next time. Uh... Well, I've removed that, and I don't have a substitution yet. Although now well, I've got a, lot a pretty of, good idea. There's some Power Rangers series out there that... That's right. Not, not quite anime, but I would argue that it's kind of close enough. Yeah, but but for purposes here, I'm going to still make it 1 to 10, and if it lands on 9, which is where Yoamushi was, we'll just re-roll. Okay. 10, which is... Street Fighter 2V. The All real right. Street Fighter anime. Here we go. Yeah. Is this a series or is it a movie? Yeah, it's no, a series. That's... There was okay. a movie, but V is specifically a series. 
Alright, there are 29 okay. episodes total. Where should we start? Past episode 15. Okay, 15, 29. 20. Street Fighter 2 V, episode 20. How awesome would it be if it turns out it just borrows from the American cartoon continuity? <laughs> and just Blanca still has the Dr. Claw voice. <laughs> still creating peace in the Middle East. Blanca's security clearance was uh, denied several times. Yeah. Oh, uh, before we go, I had a little bit of a bicycling story that I'm not sure if I ever shared. It's a uh, Before this... Brief. I'll make a quick note. I don't think Street Fighter 2 V is available on Crunchyroll or anywhere like that, so you might have to do some searching on the internet, but I'm sure you can find it with minimal effort. Okay, yeah. Now. Uh, so I have this memory from very early on in my childhood. Uh, my parents were divorced, uh, but my dad would come and visit for some time every summer as the court manda- mandated him to do so. Uh, there were some older kids in our cul-de-sac, uh, that like to ride their bikes around. My dad was having fun with like a super soaker. It was like one of those tube ones that you would push, and so like the water pressure was real good. Uh, he's just goofing off with these kids and shooting the super soaker at them, and they end up getting distracted by it and get on in a head-on collision on their bikes, <laughs> and just fucking mangle there. And my dad's reaction, I will never forget was to just drop the Super Soaker, go, oh shit, and then run indoors. <laughs> you know, I would have the exact same reaction. So, <laughs> I don't think he was calling for help or anything. I think he just wanted to get the fuck out of there. Yes, exactly. It was like a collision with a car or other bike. No, no, it was the two of them collided together, just oh, dead on. Okay, that... like not not wearing helmets or anything. Well, okay, that's not quite as bad as I thought. Then, <sighs> no, like that that would be way worse. At that point, my dad definitely would have committed a crime of some sort. Mm. Uh, well, that's, I remember their that's parents good. also like tore up all the grass in their front yard, filled it with cement, and spent most of his time smoking cigars and drinking on the front porch with a pair of brass knuckles on. Perfectly normal, perfectly healthy. <laughs> yeah, it's a cul-de-sac life, man. Mm. Yeah, Ed, Ed, and Eddie taught me all about it. Yeah. So, everybody out there, we'll see you next time on Stand and Deliver! Bicycle!
long time ago of like the warehouse where we could like we could lease it out for really cheap. We just need to figure out what to do as far as like building a ring. Yeah. Okay. The guns are no problem. I know no. where to get some guns. Oh yeah. I mean, I've already got plenty. I don't think we need any They're... more. I just like keep finding them in bushes. Yeah. I mean, I've also got a guy. He's got a van. America. Everybody's got a guy. So what? Should we have rules like only semi-auto, or what? No, no, no rules. None. No rules. None. Just right. Just like no Outback. rules. Hmm. Extended mag, no problem. That's the tagline. You put that over the door. It's good. It's a good slogan. I mean, okay. people are going to die. That's the point. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. We'll work this out. We're gonna be so rich. Yes. We're gonna be able to stage our own private battle royales on islands somewhere. Yeah. Like maybe that's what we should be doing. Mm. And we'll have to start small first. Start with this. Well, can Podcast Empire is building itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Things are looking up. So you still recording? <laughs>